Welcome to the regular podcast from Editorial Intelligence, the media analysis and networking business. You can see all our broadcast interviews on our EITV channel on YouTube and editorialintelligence.com. Hello. Thanks to um, Julia and to Peter to, for inviting me to come and chair a session today. Um, in 1998, I started an online social network called Shooting People, which still exists today and is still really small and barely makes any money. So um, I've sort of always uh, managed to kind of be ahead of the curve, but not quite be, not quite be Facebook. Um, after that, I came and worked here at Channel 4 for five years as a commissioning editor. And today I run a non-profit documentary foundation. So I think like most people in this room, uh, I want to and need to understand how to use social media to have undue influence. Um, and I think that's what we're all here to try and understand. But we've, I'm going to be moderating today uh, a discussion. I'm not a speaker, I'm a chair. And I've got two people who are a writer and a filmmaker who are both exploring in their different ways the opportunities and the consequences of the social networks that we now find ourselves so... Uh, tangled up in. And we're going to be plumbing the heights and depths, I think, of optimism and pessimism uh, on, on this subject. Um, so please come on up. I'm, I'm going to do this slightly unusually. I'm not going to introduce them. I'm just introducing myself, as you notice. Um, I'm going to get them to introduce each other uh, as part of this discussion, because I think it's more interesting for you to hear how they kind of perceive the other in a debate which has been billed as... Uh, uh, beauty and the beast, although of course beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Actually, I'll go in the middle, if that's right. And, uh, and obviously in this discussion, I'm just Switzerland. So although, uh, although Caroline Daniel from FT told me I shouldn't say I was Switzerland, because Switzerland was a terribly unflattering thing to be, but I couldn't think of anything else that was neutral. What's neutral? Argon. Milk. Anyway, I'm going to be something in the middle. Um, so, chaps. Um, a meeting of minds and a clash of ideas. I think you've already come across each other. Tiffany, do you want to tell us who Andrew is? Um, let's see. I think that I, it would be best to describe Andrew. I first became familiar with his work. He wrote a book called The Cult of the Amateur, which was at a great moment because everyone was drinking a lot of Kool-Aid, and he came in to puncture that. And um, the world needs people like Andrew Keane and Sherry Turkle to be on the opposite ends and one of my favorite quotes is by Sophocles, which says that nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. And Andrew is really into exploring the curse. <laughs> Sounds good? Very nice. Sounds like you. You recognize the introduction. And can you just um, tell the room who Tiffany is? Well, it's interesting that I really, uh, Tiffany and I, we're neighbors. We know each other a while. And we have, I wouldn't say similar backgrounds, but similarly um, invented and reinvented backgrounds. But what's interesting about her, or at least my relationship with her, is that um, I just wrote a book called Digital Vertigo, which is a critique of the confessional, narcissistic nature of social media and the way in which we're spending our lives now um, uh, broadcasting ourselves to the world as Andy uh, Hobsbawm said, although Andy's smart objects, I think, are really stupid people. Um, and then Tiffany wrote a movie, uh, did a movie called Connected, which is a movie which is strongly autobiographical and confessional. And I've, it's always, I'm always intrigued by the idea that I really like Tiffany and I really like her work, and yet I'm critical of confessional media. 
And I think it's because she still represents a 20th century version of confessional media. In that someone brought up the word control earlier. She controls what the world knows. This, this, uh, this movie, Confe uh, Connected, is a movie about, very intimate movie, it's brilliant, you should all see it, about her relationship with her sick father and the connectivity associated with that. Um, and I think what I like about Tiffany's work and her as a person is that she still represents the 20th century version of controlling her identity and deciding what we should and shouldn't know. And that's the kind of um, identity culture that I, I want to protect. That's what I'm increasingly nostalgic for, rather than a, an identity culture in which we've all become products. So she's not a product. And that's high praise from Andrew, by the way. Yes, thank you. So, uh, the introduction's done. The format is going to be, I'm going to ask each of them to take five or six minutes to sort of lay out their worldview, what they're thinking about at the moment, and sort of with relation to the work that they've just been working on. They'll each do that, and then we'll, then I'll moderate a bit of a sort of discussion as we kind of drill into some, some of these points of difference. So, Tiffany, take it away. Great. Okay, so I'm really interested in exploring the good, the bad, and the potential of being connected in the 21st century. I'm just going to show you a two-minute trailer from Connected, which is my feature documentary that's playing in theaters and conferences around. So I'm at lunch with this really good friend of mine, and we are having a fantastic time. I haven't seen her in years. We're laughing, drinking, talking, but I'm still getting this urge to check my email. And I was like, Tiffany, stay focused. You traveled all the way across the United States to see her. Stay focused. But eventually, it was like, it overtook me. And then I faked needing to go to the bathroom. So I excused myself, grab my phone, go into the bathroom stall, kind of hiding, texting, emailing, thinking, what if I become? I can't be the only one sneaking to the bathroom to check my email. Technology is clearly changing us and the way we connect with our friends, our families, and the world around us. So I set out to make a film about what it means to be connected in the 21st century. Things are changing. There's so much more to think about. And that pace of change is only accelerating. How much faster can it go before we can't keep up? This was the kind of question I was exploring in this film. And then I had this year that turned my world upside down. and forced me to rethink everything I thought I understood about the ways we're connected. We as humans have accumulated so much knowledge. Why do we have such a hard time seeing the bigger picture?
Thank you. Um, so from Since Connected um, has been released, me and my film studio team have been really interested in what we call cloud filmmaking. So we're doing this whole new film series where we're inviting people from all over the world on their cell phones to send us videos, and then we edit it together. And we made a film called The Declaration of Interdependence that's now been translated into 65 languages. They're short films. And we have a new film that's coming out this fall, which is all about how to best nurture the brain. And I was working with a lot of brain scientists, neuroscientists from Harvard and University of Washington. And I'll show you just a 30-second trailer from this new cloud film. A lot of us are wondering, what is all this technology doing to our brains? I mean, we know that the brain changes throughout life based on experiences. In fact, watching this movie is reshaping connections in your brain right now. But since we humans are creating all of this technology, maybe a better question to ask is, how are we shaping our brains? So this film is coming out in September. So um, as you can see, my work kind of talks about the good, the bad, and the potential. And I wrestle a lot in the center of all of those things. So I always enjoy reading Andrew's work, who wrestles the best. But it's fair to say that you, you do feel positive, and your work, your work exudes a positivity about this I age of collaboration. and Absolutely. Power, yeah. I, think, uh, I think ultimately we are evolving as a species and that it's taking us to um, a more evolved space if we can just take the time to talk about the things it's taking away. And I really believe that. I, I, I really do. I, I, my family and I unplug from technology one day a week for what we call our tech Shabbats and it was just overtaking my life. So I'm, gonna, I, I'm incredib mostly incredibly hopeful globally and then personally I struggle with it. And can I just get a sense from the audience? Who also feels in some ways incredibly hopeful? Who feels incredibly hopeful about the power of, of this technology and social media to kind of transform our lives sort of for good? I'd say it's about a little less than a living British. There'll be a bunch of people who'll just be going, I'm not saying what I do. So you all feel as if you've evolved as a species, right? <laughs> it's, well, that's it's, what Tiffany said. It's your stage. Take it away. Well... <laughs> I liked everything Tiffany said until she talked about evolving as a species. Do you, who here feels as if they've evolved as a species? No, no one's willing to. But you do believe you do. How do you? I, how does that feel? We, we do the, we do, we're going to do the debate bit after you've given your sort of outline of your ideas. Wait, I just, I have to. I just feel that. I have never been more exposed to other ideas in my life, which push my own ideas forward. That is how I feel like my own thoughts have evolved. Lay out, lay out your stool. Okay. Refute me. <laughs> I can't refute. Well, so I wrote a, I've written a book called Digital Vertigo. I don't have a husband or co-collaborator or co-writer, but I kind of do, because the, uh, the film, uh, the book was built around, also like Tiffany, um, is b built around a film, uh, Hitchcock's Vertigo. And whilst I can't claim uh, Hitchcock wrote my book, I wish I could, um, it certainly was very inspirational. So I have a short clip. Do we have a... Do you need that? You might need that. Will it just work if I... 
<laughs> so here's my favorite clip from the movie, Vertigo. It's the beginning. This is in Ernie's in San Francisco. It doesn't exist anymore. I, I mean, this is a, an educated audience. Who here hasn't seen Vertigo? No one will admit to not seeing it, right? <laughs> Nico, but you're, that's, you're showing off now, right, by not seeing it. So everybody's seen it. So we all know the story. Jimmy Stewart is the, uh, the detective who falls in love with this woman. This is the first time he sets eyes on her, sees her back for the first time. He's been set up to fall in love with her. He's sitting at the bar. And this, um, this doorway is what Zizek calls the parallax view. It's one of the great, I think it's one of the great moments in movie history when she gets up. Look at him. So I guess this is, a, and Hitchcock I don't think was very sympathetic with the idea of us evolving as a species either. And I think this is a movie about how perhaps we haven't, it's a reminder that we haven't actually evolved as a species and we never will actually. Um, so we all know the story that this blonde woman isn't really a blonde, she's a brunette, she's not the wealthy beautiful San Francisco heiress, she's a poor Kansas shop girl who's involved in um, screwing Jimmy Stewart in lots of different ways um, and ruins his life and I mean obviously this doesn't have much to do with Facebook or Twitter but I use this as a um, I use this not only as a metaphor for my book and my argument but it's also I think it's a great book it's a great movie about the world we live in the one that uh, Tiffany describes as being so connected because of course Hitchcock was a master of two things he was obsessed he was, himself was a little bit, I think, of a pervert. He was obsessed with two things, uh, voyeurism and surveillance. And uh, Vertigo is, of course, the great movie about both voyeurism and surveillance. And the age that we're living in, that uh, Andy Hobsbawm talks about, you know, smart objects every, everywhere we go, is the one that uh, I think Hitchcock, I wasn't necessarily describing or thinking about social media, but it's one that's deeply Hitchcockian, if there's such a word. And the noir that Hitchcock introduces in the film, which is, of course, fictional in a 20th century film, a 20th century art form, in our 21st century world in which art and life, is the, the boundaries have broken down, uh, and the world itself has become a, a giant confessional, we're living in this noir Hitchcock-like environment where we're being seduced by something that doesn't really exist. What we're being seduced by is the idea of the social, the idea of connectivity. The notion, as Tiffany says, that being connected will somehow enables our, our, our species. And Marx called it species being. I think it's a big mistake to ever talk about enabling our species. We never get much better. But we always are, of course, in danger of getting worse, of falling more in love with ourselves, um, and of corrupting ourselves more. And that's what I feel social media is doing. Um, uh, um, uh, what's this? Uh, Peter York quoted D Dan Schwabel, who I know I've done an interview with for my TechCrunch show, who said visibility is the key to success. The world that we're living in now is one of hyper-visibility, where we are all becoming these smart objects that uh, Andy Hobsbawm discusses. Everywhere we go, we're being watched by our gadgets by these digital glasses. We are becoming data. Uh, but I don't agree that visibility is the key to success. Rather, 
uh, quoting Foucault in my book, I argue that visibility is a trap, and we're all increasingly part of that trap. It's a trap for three reasons. Firstly, we're being watched by governments. Secondly, we're being watched by large data, big data companies like Google and Facebook. And thirdly, we're all becoming little brothers. We're watching each other. So visibility is a trap. And in my book, Digital Vertigo, I warn about the great seduction, the blonde that isn't really the blonde. We need to, um, we need to liberate ourselves of the idea that the social is good for us. The social isn't. We're not intrinsically social. And we need, in the digital age, to protect the individual against this ubiquity, this dictatorship of the social. Great. Thank you. And can I similarly ask for a show of hands of people who, who feel that that uh, resonates with us, the idea that we're all starring in our own psycho-thriller? Um, who, who does that resonate with? Let's see a show of hands. You can't put out your hand, Well, you? whatever you... Listen, I wrestle. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I... Anyways, I'll let you... No, no, um, I just... I wrestle with it. I, we were, the earlier conversation about identity and what we choose to share and what we don't and who, what our personalities are. You know, I know incredibly charming, warm people who on email are so cold, it's like I don't know them. And people have all these different modes of identity and it's, it's challenging to even figure out what those are and there's so many more multiple ways of interfacing with the world. So I, I, I'm a wrestler of all this stuff. And in, in your book, Andrew, I felt like there were two things which particularly offend you. Um, one is ideas of utopia, just, you know, I think uh, just sheerly kind of philosophically you feel like anything which smacks of you're being sold a utopia you know, is is rum and needs to be kind of torn torn down. And the second would thing you I agree with that. I would agree with that actually. And I think the second thing that that, if, that it seems to really offend you is that you've met a lot of these people that run these companies, and actually you really dislike them, and feel and, f and feel that their intentions are cynical. So that whilst we're here using Facebook and thinking, oh, we're using this for you know for our own sort of like it's lovely to keep in touch with everyone. Actually, that there are these sort of master puppeteers, and that when you actually meet these people, you feel like, oh my God, we're all pawns in the game in, in a sort of cynical game. Think, do you think that's that's fair? Yeah, I think, I think we need to be much more critical of, of these barons of big data. Um, let me just, the, the, the example I like to give is of Sheryl Sandberg, who make, she's the number two. I mean, it's easy to pick on Zuckerberg because he's a child. Uh, <laughs> and he says really stupid things. But, you know, Sandberg is grown up. She made the trains run on time in Facebook. She's a very brilliant woman and deserves all her wealth and power. But she's also... Um, you know, shamelessly opportunistic in terms of the, the kind of discourse that's being built around social media. So she wrote a thing for The Economist last year in which she said, again, bold-faced, there's no ambiguity here. She said, Facebook enables us to become more authentic. Now think about that. Firstly, it suggests, and anyone, of course, who uses the word authenticity by definition is in inauthentic. Uh, we, you know, the Huffington Post is a, a good example of that. But, um, <laughs> Uh, um, 
the, the idea, firstly, that social media makes us more authentic is absurd. But secondly, again, it's part of this evolution of the species, this kind of Whiggish version of history, which has been appropriated by the West Coast Americans, which I think is really dangerous. The idea that we can become more authentic, the idea that we weren't authentic before Facebook that we lacked authenticity before we could ne network ourselves globally. So I think that we, we do have to be very careful and critical and acknowledge that you know, in the midst of all this discourse, these people are becoming immensely powerful and wealthy. I want to pick up on that for, for Tiffany, because um, clearly you have this strong sense of being sort of sold a false consciousness for, for profit by people. But then you have a filmmaker like Tiffany who's embracing all these sort of same tools to kind of create a community, to collaborate and work with her. I mean, she's not, you know, she's not big business, she's not a big kind of corporation. Tiffany, do you think there is a space in this to kind of yeah, to mean, operate independently of these people? Well, you know, these cloud films we're making. So we wrote, let me just give you an example of why I have, why I'm hopeful at all. So we wrote a one minute script called The Declaration of Interdependence and we posted it on the internet and just invited people to, to read it and send us videos. We got hundreds of videos from all over the world and then we edited it together into a four minute film. And then people just started translating it into 65 languages, which you have to understand as a filmmaker, some of my other films that have played at 100 film festivals maybe got translated into five languages. So we all, I do believe that people want to be a part of something larger than themselves, and people want to participate and collaborate. So I feel like um, I am using the tools of the big companies. I mean, I'm using Google, I'm using Facebook. We have a great Facebook community for our films to um, bring people together around issues and ideas. So that's very exciting as an artist for me to be able to do that. That's not to say that there aren't bigger questions that we all need to be spending the time talking about, but we're too busy usually to talk about them, yeah, it seems. Well, that, is, that is the problem with artists, yes. In general, everybody too, is too, too, busy busy. Make, too busy making to lobby. Um, <laughs> So, so, taking, so, so taking that as a, as a given then, that we feel uncomfortable with some of the agendas of the, of the owners and that perhaps it's beholden on all of us who want to use the tools to kind of push back and represent our rights to them. Let's take that as a, as a, as a given. Um, let's dig into this idea of nature, because you very strongly in the book and on this platform push back against the idea that man is not social. And in some way, I suppose, the, the opposite of that is that privacy is essential to kind of humanity. What is your, what is your view of human nature? <laughs> well, in, in, yeah, well I do, I do, uh, the book itself is built actually a little bit around Hitchcock, but it's also a critique of uh, Bentham and utilitarianism, and it begins in London, and it's the argument that we're not just sort of sums of, we're not mathematical sums of our appetites, that we're actually more complex than that, and my work really builds off John Stuart Mill's definition of who we are in On Liberty, which is as more complex individuals. But I also borrow Mill's argument that society is driven by individuals who stand apart. And the problem with the social media is it's increasingly hard to, to be unorthodox. Social media is creating a new kind of social orthodoxy. So I fear that, um, that, that society is not being driven forward by social media. It's making it harder and harder to actually, to borrow Tiffany's language, to, to really be ourselves. And it's not just my work. There's a, there's a really good book out now by Susan Cain called Quiet, which also focuses on the individual. So 
I think that we are, it doesn't mean that we're not social, it doesn't mean that we all live in caves, but I think we are primarily, or we begin as individuals, and that this idea that we're naturally social is a mistake. Tiffany. Could I just show a one minute film that would be my answer? Because it so is about what you're saying. Sure. Can you show Yelp? Okay. I saw the best minds of my generation distracted by texting, emailing, tweeting, dragging their cursors through Google links at dawn, looking for an info fix. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ultra-fast heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night who wired and networked and hollow-eyed and caffeinated, sat up searching in the imaginary comfort of Facebook friends, floating across the tops of cities, contemplating signals, who bared their brains to GPS under satellites and saw Wikipedian angels editing on collective knowledge illuminated who passed through Wi-Fi hotspots with radiant Bluetooth earphones, hallucinating avatars in low-res Second Life islands among the gamers of Warcraft, who were expelled from chat rooms with dreams, with wireless nightmares, megapixels, alcohol, YouTube, and endless eyeballs who connected via instant messaging in underwear, burning their money on eBay impulse purchases, tapping into the zeitgeist through the synapses of Twitter, who jacked in continuously 70 hours from Pandora to iPod to Amazon to Flickr to Boing Boing, yakety-yacking, primal screaming, unblinking, participating. Unplug! 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 I'm with you in the compulsion to check inboxes, news feeds, and Facebook. Unplug! I'm with you in the addiction and longing for focus. Unplug! I'm with you to cut the umbilical cord of data. Unplug! I'm with you to disconnect from the infosphere. Unplug! I'm with you to power down and revisit the present tense. I was going to wrap this with a last word of advice um, from my panellists to, to the audience, and I feel like that was... I think Tiffany's given you her advice there. Unplug. One day a week, try it. It's life-changing. Andrew, last words of... Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure about unplugging. I'm not necessarily against, you know, whilst I've written a book against social media, I'm not saying you shouldn't be on social media. I mean, I'm on Twitter. I have to be as a, as a writer. Yeah, AJ Keith. Um, but I think what you need to remind yourselves about is that the, 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 the ideology of transparency is a trap, is a mistake, is a seduction is that you, you need to remind yourself, and I, this is not an audience probably that needs a lot of reminder of this, but you need to remind yourself that what makes us human is what we don't say. What makes us human is our mystery, our secrecy, our ability to lie, to mislead. And that this confessional that's, again, hardly surprising, uh, originating on, on the West Coast in Northern California, 
is a, is a deep mistake. It, it, it reflects us at our worst. Uh, it's, uh, Nick Harkaway talked about Rousseau. It's Rousseau, you know, 7.0. It's ugly and stupid. Uh, you need to keep your mouth shut. Stop telling people about your, your innermost feelings and thoughts. Don't tell people where you are, what you're eating, what you're watching, what you're listening to. It trivializes you. It undermines whatever it is, uh, whatever it means to be human. We're not doing a good job in social media. So the, the key thing, I think, is, is just to shut up. <laughs> Please give them both a big round of applause.